So bats, much like sharks, get a very unfair rep. And we've got many different species living here in the UK. I caught up with Dr Kim Wallace from the Essex Bat Group to ask her about some of those species and to tell us a bit about how she works with bats and rescues them. What are the common bats in Essex? So we've got around 10 different species that you might find in Essex. Um, in the UK generally we have 18 and 17 of which are breeding but yeah uh, in Essex specifically around 10 species. And these are the common pipistrelle and? Yeah the so there's, yeah so there's three pipistrelle species so the common pipistrelle and the soprano pipistrelle which are the ones if you're ever um, out for a walk or sitting outside um, the ones that are sort of flitting around your garden uh, they're very active mobile um, sort of dart here and there to catch their insects. They're the ones you're most likely to see. And then we've got the Nathusius pipistrel as well, which um, is actually the only sort of migratory species that, that we have. Um, but they're slightly more difficult to see. And are bat numbers quite strong in Essex, would you say? Yeah, I mean, in general, bats, are, they're doing okay, but it, it varies um, for the species. Common pipistrels seem to be doing okay, but some of our other larger bat species, such as the serotine, um, are not doing very well at all. Um, it could be linked to, to prey numbers or it could be linked to sort of habitat and well, a lack of. But generally all well, all bat species are protected. Um, and there is a reason for that. And one of it is that they're sensitive and they're not found in, in massive numbers. Um, and when they are, their roosts are. They're very protected and they're very, the roosts are delicate and they're sensitive. Yeah, and that's a really important point you make there about the protection of these species. And you as a trained individual have a special license, don't you? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so there's different activities with bats which require different types of licenses. Um, so if you, because they are European protected species, you need to be able to have a license to be able to enter a roost or disturb bats. Um, otherwise, it would be um, considered an offence. Then I've also got a license to be able to keep captive bats. So I keep those for educational purposes. And that's sort of linked to my role as a bat carer. So any bats that are found by members of the public come into me um, and ideally I release them but those that I can't release um, I can keep and go and give talks to and show people and it's amazing the difference it makes actually seeing a bat up close and it's something that people wouldn't normally get the chance to see and it's one of the reasons why um, one of the reasons why I do what I do with the captive bats. And the Essex Bat Group you know you go out and you do surveys and monitor bat numbers in the in the environment don't you? Yes, we've, we've got, we're actually a really strong bat group. We've got loads of enthusiastic members and loads of different um, schemes and programmes and surveys that go on from uh, bat box monitoring to church surveys. Churches are a massive stronghold for um, bats in general. So we do have a scheme to monitor those. We'll assist members of the public if they've got queries. And then there's obviously the bat care side of things that we do and we're we're building up our volunteer base for that. Um, and there's bat walks that we do. There's loads of activities. We're, we're really lucky in Essex that we, we have got such an active group of people doing it all. And you mentioned bat rescue there. So mm. tell us a bit about that. You actually keep bats, you rescue bats, nurse them back to health, don't you? 
we're quite a populated county and members of the public do um, sometimes discover bats or unfortunately their cats and bring them in. So we've got a dedicated um, volunteer network. So we've got a, a phone system. So everyone, anyone can Google Essex Bat Group and there's loads of information on, on Essex Bats on there. But there's also a helpline number. So if people find a grounded bat, they can call up um, one of our, we call them ambulance drivers. Um, so they'll go out and collect the bat um, and then bring it to one of the sort of more highly trained bat carers who will take them in, assess them, give them any treatment they might need. And then um, ultimately, because they're wild animals, the aim is to then release them back into the wild. Um, and we do this for, for, for a number of reasons. A is because it's obviously the, the bat, individual bat welfare, but also we find an awful lot of bat roosts um, because of members of the public. And, you know, if we, we go along and we collect a bat, um, you kind of look around and you think, oh, you know, you've got a bat roost. And, and a lot of people wouldn't necessarily even know that. So for records, it's also really good. Um, and the educational side of it as well. Be surprising how many people's um, minds you can change when you just talk to them a little bit about bats. They're not the scary things that, that the medium sometimes portray. Talk to me a bit about the bat that you've got at the moment. You've, you've, you've had one just come in, haven't you? Mm, yeah, I've had her for a couple of weeks. She unfortunately was caught um, by a cat and so she's got a few wing tears and um, she had a bit of an injury on her side. So she had a course of antibiotics and now she's um, on the mend. Uh, but normally this time of year, they're all torpid. So they, they go into hibernation, they, they lower their heart rate um, because there's not many insects around. But I'm feeding her so I can keep her warm for the antibiotics to be um, as strong as I would like them to be and to work. She needs to be kept warm. So, yeah, she's actually downstairs. The rest of them are all torpid um, elsewhere and loving life in the winter. Now, you don't name the bats that you, you care for that you're hoping to return to the wild, but you you do name the bats that you keep for educational purposes so can we ask what are they called <laughs> so i've got brad who is a serotine bat um but he's uh, more affectionately known as mr grumpy because he um he he's a funny he's a funny creature i've had him for about seven eight years now and he'll, he'll live for about 25 he's great for my trainees so i, I train people in handling bats obviously you have to be incredibly um sensitive and um, with handling them but he just likes me that's why he's called Mr Grumpy <laughs> so with me he'll just sit there and kind of um, look around I'll give him to a few of my trainees and um he gets a little bit agitated I think he plays on it really but so he's named and then I've got a few pipistrels um I've got bubble and squeak which I've had through a few years and a few new ones that have come in that are yet to be named actually so I've got another couple of male pipistrels. But yes, they're the only ones that I tend to name. The rest um, um, come in and go out again as soon as I can possibly release them. Mm. And do you actually have to train them to fly sometimes? That's that's something that you have to do, I think. Yeah, so we're quite lucky and they've got a few flight cages. So this, from our point of view, you know, we invest quite a lot of time. Um, and from a welfare point of view, we don't want to have these these bats care for them and then literally just release them back into the wild without knowing that they're going to have a good chance of survival so we 
um, give them a, a series of sort of flight tests. So they have to be able to um, land efficiently, be able to crawl. So bats land and crawl into their roost space. So they have to be able to do that. Otherwise, they won't be able to locate and enter their roosts. Um, ideally, take off from the ground. Obviously, fly in a typical pattern for that species and turn both ways. And ideally, uh, we'd like to see them sort of catching a, a wild insect. So we've got sort of a light tunnel in some of our um, cages to attract insects. And if you see them sort of going through and you can hear them on the bat detector, they make a particular sound when they're catching prey. Mm -hmm. So you can tell that they're proficient at eating if they do that. Because a common misconception, I think, is that bats are blind. Is yeah. that right? Yes, yeah, people are well, that's a good old saying, isn't it? Mm. Blind as a bat, but yeah. um, no, they're not they're not blind at all. Um, they can see perfectly well. It's just their their night vision, which is essentially their echolocation, is much better than um eyes. But no, they're, they're, you can see them watching you. Um some of the ones that are a bit more greedy, they'll follow you around the room until you're putting um, some food in front of their face. So no, they're definitely not blind. And they don't get caught in your hair either, unless they're a juvenile. So when they, um, so bats only have one baby a year, typically. Um, Lysas, which is a, a species, tends to have twins. But yeah, only one baby a year. And like a toddler, you know, they don't just suddenly learn to fly brilliantly. They go through a stage of being a bit wobbly. And that's typically when people um, have them in the house because they just get a bit lost. Okay. And you mentioned some of the challenges that bats face there. It, you know, mm. what would you say is sort of the top there? Is, is it things like a lack of kind of abandoned properties and, and old buildings, you know, sort of being sealed up and less of those kind of nooks and crannies that bats would live in? Or, or is it things like, you know, 5G and stuff now? <laughs> it's primarily habitat related. Um, so Bats at all point in their life um, will typically use trees. And as I sort of mentioned, we're, we are a highly populated um, county, but also England is generally. And trees um, are either cleared or they're felled or for health and safety purposes. Um, connectivity as well. So bats can actually travel quite a long distance to forage and they need a network of, of sites to be able to do that. Um, houses, this is potentially fairly controversial, but there's an issue at the, at the moment with um, roofing membrane. So breathable roofing membrane is installed in quite a lot of houses um, and that can actually be quite damaging for bats. So where you know you've got a known bat roost, we tend to put the sort of traditional bitumen felt in. And I guess if people aren't aware that they only have one baby a year, and all the females get together in the summer and have those babies and sort of create a nursery for them. Accidentally or, or not, if you end up destroying that roost um, or damaging that roost and they abandon their babies or you lose that entire colony, that can have a massive impact on the bat population in general because you lose all of those breeding females and potentially um, the young and recruitment in bats is very, very slow. So there's a, quite a few challenges they face. Um, unfortunately but it's great that people are becoming more and more aware of bats um and are realizing that they're not the kind of 
creatures that, that um, are portrayed in, in cartoons or, or the media. They're, they're really, they're fascinating as well. They're absolutely brilliant. I'd encourage everyone to just read up about them as well if you don't know anything about them. Mm. Now, you've actually been to Transylvania, haven't you, to look at that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, hopefully I might go back again this year. Um, yeah, so with a, a sort of community, uh, it's Operation Wallacea, and um, they go around all, all different countries in the world um, on expedition. And I was one of the, well, the technical term is chiroptologist. So that means basically bat scientist. Um, but yes, I've been to Romania and uh, where Dracula originated from but have you seen the vampire bat i have but they're not they're not in romania so no, there's no, only right. yeah so there's only three species of vampire bat and they're all kind of um so i was in mexico a few years ago and you find them there and there's only one in the world one species in the world that actually feeds um specifically on mammal blood Right. So it's not specifically humans, is it? It's, it's no, 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 dead, no. dead animals that it'll eat on. Yeah. Uh, well, the sort of cattle or there's one that, yeah, rodents or anything that they can um, find. But it's not like a, you know, teeth out, sink, your, sink the teeth in and suck the blood out. It's they kind of lap it up. They're very, very delicate, actually. <laughs> they kind of just make a little punch wound and lap it up. And then the other species, species sort of tend to feed on uh, like bird blood so no they will never target a human deliberately i think there's sort of accidental reportings of it but um, no and they're actually the vampire true vampire bats are actually really nice to handle they're really calm okay. which you wouldn't necessarily expect but and they've got really big eyes really beautiful big eyes and it's all part of the natural cycle isn't it of yeah of course birth and rebirth and things isn't it so so it's it's yeah. perfectly normal yeah and and bats globally uh, if you think about um sort of the nectivorous bats and in terms of seed dispersal and pollination we'd be we'd be lost without them globally and you wouldn't have tequila <laughs> would you not Why is that? you would not have tequila so the, the uh, tequila the sole pollinator um of tequila is is a bat species i forget the actual name for it now but um yeah so there's wow. all, all these things that people don't don't realize that we've got bats to to thank for that's fascinating so really important work pollinating tequila uh, <laughs> yeah. the name of the bat so uh, that's great yeah but, yeah and and general and insect control you know there's the, the three things seed dispersal so um trees we also need trees and plant species um so pollinating the crops a lot of our crops are pollinated by them yeah so and insects all of the ones in the uk are eat insects so if you've got a, a bat roast um the population of mosquitoes around you are pr probably a lot lower than uh, if you don't have bats it's a really handy service yeah. that bats provide there, natural so. insect control well brilliant thank you for your time Dr. Kim Wallace from the Essex Bat Group. And if people want to join the Bat Group, you, you do look for volunteers, don't you, to help out? Yeah. Yeah, and we have um, loads of different talks as well. So you don't necessarily even have to, to be out and about doing surveys. Um, you can just be part of an enthusiastic community that loves wildlife and um, learn more about it. So, yeah, we've got um, a website, Essex Bat Group. Um, but there's also the National sort of charity which is um the national bat group so 
conservation trust so you can always have a look at those they've got they've got some great information on their website